This recording has been produced by Christchurch, Jerusalem. For more information, visit us at cmj-israel.org. This is the Christchurch Bible Study as we are studying the last words of Moses. That is uh, the, the last book of the Torah, the book of Deuteronomy. Although technically, the Torah is four books, with the fifth book being a comment on the Torah. Noticing that um, Moses does, uh, changes things in the Torah, misses things, adds things, plays with things around as he is giving his last final words of encouragement. And so um, the, the book of Deuteronomy is at the same time the book that introduces the heart aspect of the Torah. And everything in the book is about the heart, it's about love, it's about God's mercy. At the same time, it is also the most violent book uh, of, the, of, the, of the first five books. It's the one, part of, I guess, maybe the flood might have been pretty violent, but where God, uh, through Moses, instructs the people to, to massacre anything. And, uh, and, uh, but coupled with that, also there is the heart aspect. And so you end up just... A, a round picture of God that He is both love and at the same time a consuming fire. He okay. is compassionate oh, and at the same time He is jealous. And oh. all right, so I'm going to read last week's uh, summary, where we looked at the first nine verses of Deuteronomy. So Deuteronomy 8, verses 1 to 9. And this is uh, a summary of our discussion from last week. The uh, commandments of the Lord need to be done, says Moses. That is, they have to be observed and obeyed. So the lawgiver. Okay, well, why should we obey the word of the Lord? Simply because it is the word of the Lord. Moses then produces another reason for obedience. And this is... Life, the theology that obedience produces life, is re reinforced again in the book of Hebrews, chapter 5, verse 9, where eternal life is linked to obedience to the Messiah. Obedience and the negative, disobedience, has consequences. Both of them have consequences, some good, some bad. During the second period, the concept of doing a mitzvah was elaborated. So here you had a, a command. The commandments of the Lord need to be done. Go do a mitzvah. And in the second temple period, come back from Babylon and we visit to do a mitzvah. Really, Mishnah of a guy called Ben Azai is recorded in the book of the first part of the Mishnah, chapter 4, where he says, Flee for sin and run to do even the smallest of the commandments. One sin leads to another sin, and therefore death. But the reward of a mitzvah is another mitzvah. So there was a blessing and a consequence. The, the consequence for disobeying God was that it would, it would go poorly for you, it would end in death. The blessing for obeying God was life, with the reward of just being able to continue to obey the Lord. Obedience is founded upon remembering what the Lord had done for us and his people. Memory is the defense of faithfulness. In this context, Moses is recalling the wilderness experience 
in which God tested the people. And we noted that 40 years is not a quick test. So often in the biblical narrative, we discover that God is not hurried as man is hurried. His time is different to our time. Unlike today, where God seems to work instantly to any and all work. The wilderness test involved humility. However, with Moses, it is not just about being in a humble place, but really, where is your heart while you are in that place? How do we really know where our heart is? At the conclusion of the test, says the Lord, Moses declares that for us, to be educated and instructed by God, we need to forsake pride and embrace humility. And then we will know our heart. Psalm 93 verse 1 says that God dresses himself in pride. He is the only one allowed to do so. So we should be humble at all times. Note that Adam, Adam, man, is really only constructed from Adama, dust, which is a humbling beginning indeed. And the rabbis love to remind him that should he get too proud of himself to ponder that even a mosquito was made before man. In the desert, the people were placed in total dependence on God's provision of manna. There was no other food source apart from all the livestock, which is one of those things that even rabbis don't know how to comment on. So we've got lots of flocks that come out of Egypt, yet we don't eat them. We, uh, we eat manna. <clears throat> this part of the test delivers the famous verse, man does not live on bread alone but by everything that comes from the mouth of God. Now, the Hebrew Masoretic text does not include the word, word. So most of our translations say, uh, man does not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. The word, word, isn't there. This was added in the Septuagint Greek manuscripts, and that becomes the one that was quoted by Jesus in the Gospels. And so REA gave a discussion on the word, word, and how he had uh, thought about these verses. And in Hebrews 1 verse 3, it declares that all creation is sustained and renewed daily by the word of God. Something proceeds from the mouth of God that actively engages, intervenes, and gives strength to the universe. Quantum physics has looked for the mysterious stuff that holds the universe together the dark matter, the unseen mass of creation that should be there but can't be seen. And in the 1950s, the Higgs, or the Higgs particle was theorized, later discovered to be true. And in that, there was something that came from somewhere that bound electrons and protons together. So what's keeping the universe from just flying apart what keeps the electrons spinning and not spinning away? What binds them together? They theorized there was something that was holding everything together. And they theorized this thing called the Higgs field. It was a theory for about 30 years until some uh, bright spark in quantum mechanics discovered, yes, we believe it's there. Can't actually see it. Don't really know what it looks like. Don't even know where it comes from. But we know it's there and it's holding everything together. Isn't that interesting that the Bible says that? That somehow God's something comes from God that 
binds and holds this universe together. Exactly where it comes from continues to elude physics. Those that do acknowledge the Lord, although alive in a material sense, are in truth the living dead, existing for the sole pursuit of material things. As a way of life, then, if the Word of God is what gives life, the Bible should be used in the correct way, that is, to bring life and not to destroy or to hurt each other. The Word of God gives life, not dramatic dreams and visions. Those are important in the body of the Messiah, but they are not life-producing. The Word of God is. Lastly, Moses reminds the people of the future ahead. There would be a good land that was before them as an inheritance and a well-provided land noted for its seven species. So the end of the text, we got that uh, beautiful passage that, of describing everything that was in this uh, beautiful country. Okay. So I think that that was a record of where we got up to. Uh, pretty much agree? Yep. Great. All right. I'll read uh, now the verses that we'll study tonight, which will be the rest of chapter 8. I'll pick it up at verse 10. When you have eaten and are satisfied, praise the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, and his decrees that I am giving you this day. Otherwise, when you eat and are satisfied, when you build fine houses and settle down, and when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase, and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart will become proud and you will forget the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness, that thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and its scorpions. He brought you water out of hard rock. He gave you manna to eat in the wilderness, something your ancestors had never known, to humble and test you so that in the end it might go. My power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. Open the covenant for your ancestors as it is today. If you ever forget the Lord your God, and follow other gods, and worship and bow down to them. I testify against you today that you will surely be destroyed, like the nations that God destroyed before you, and you will be destroyed for not obeying the Lord your God. All right. Okay. All right. So that's, uh, that's our initial reading. Okay. Is there anything there that jumps out at you? I always find it interesting that after we've done the land and uh, the seven species, uh, then we then get told, uh, after you've eaten and are satisfied, bless the Lord for this good land that is providing everything. We talked a little bit about that uh, last week, that um, the, the blessing for meals, or what we call grace, in Hebrew, um, is said at the end of a meal, not, not before. Uh, yet in the Christian tradition, we will always make sure we pray and, uh, and usually we'll bless the food 
um, in our tradition. We'll, we'll say things like, uh, Lord, bless this food to our bodies and bless the hands that prepared it and thanks very much. We call that uh, grace, which is great. It's a, a good thing, a good thing to do. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Um, the biblical tradition, that is, the one we find in Deuteronomy, was to do that at the end of the meal. And it was to also tied, oddly enough, to the land. During the second temple period, the second temple period is uh, uh, the part where the Jewish people returned from Babylon, not all of them, actually a very small number. Um, and we've lost the temple. We've had uh, nearly two generations without a temple. And, uh, and so we've had to reread the Bible and, um, and, and discover why we were put into captivity, uh, what can we do without sacrifices, these kinds of things. So a lot of new theology creeps up in the Second Temple period. You take a really hard look at the, at the Bible. And this produces um, all the background material for the New Testament. And when they get to this verse, they go, oh, look, if we give a blessing at the end of a meal, that's good. But if we give a blessing at the start of a meal and at the end of the meal, that's got to be better. And so by the time of Jesus, you ended up with double blessings. So you had a blessing at the start, usually for bread or for wine or some sort of thing that was on the table, whether it was a herb uh, or, 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 uh, or some spice, uh, and then you would bless the Lord, never the thing. Okay? Now, why would you only bless God and not a thing? Any idea? Because God was the provider, is the provider. He made it. When God made the world, remember, you've got to find Jewish people in the second temple period are reading the Bible now with a dedicated fine-tooth comb. All kinds of great theologies coming out, including the two Messiah theology, uh, life after death, angels and demons, you know, all that kind of really good stuff. But they also discovered that when God made the world, he said it was? Good. Yeah. Good. And so they, this world was good, both Jews and Gentiles. So you had streams that said, well, actually, it's just us that are good. And you had Jews that said, no, 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 God's the king of the universe. He loves everyone. A lot of universal salvation thrown in there in the Psalms. But the world was good. We couldn't make it better. We could only use it appropriately. And so you tended to find that uh, the blessings that appear in the Second Temple period all bless God for something that is good. Um, and, and there was lots of that. And that's what you find in the New Testament. Jesus does that. Unfortunately, some of our translations keep adding words to the text. Usually those are in italics if it's a good translation. So many times it will say, uh, Jesus picked up the bread and he blessed. He doesn't, it doesn't say he blessed it, although that's what a lot of translations will add in. Okay, he, It would say he, he picked up the bread and he did a bracha, which in Jewish tradition would have been uh, to, to his father. And at the end of the meal, he would have said another bracha. Just our text doesn't say that he did, but he would have. All right. Yeah. Aaron, the one thing I like about this too, to point out to folk who think that the traditions of the Pharisees were unremittingly bad. Yeah. I just like to point out that they are walking in the traditions of the Pharisees by saying grace at the beginning of the meal. Good point. Yes. So by us saying grace at the beginning of the minute, yes, we are following in the footsteps of the rabbis. How's that one? Yeah. That's it. Yeah. We're going to stop right now, aren't we? Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, I remember uh, I was having this discussion with uh, Yuval at, um, at, at Christchurch. Um, and uh, we were just, because he was, he's taking a, a class at Hebrew University with a professor I did, a guy called Israel Yuval. And uh, Israel Yuval, he's a professor, um, I wouldn't say secular, but um, he's not dirty religious, but he goes to churches on Christmas and he also goes to synagogues. So he sort of kind of does, does both things. Uh, he was making the comment that uh, too often, uh, people would say that the relationship between Judaism and Christianity is one of mother and daughter. And he says, no, that's not true. Really, you should describe it as two sisters. We come from a common source, this thing, which is the Jesus event, the second temple period and all of that stuff. And as they progress, both Christianity and rabbinic Judaism, they narrow themselves a bit taking from the same material and then tracking mm -hmm. together. It's not that one's uh, 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 daughter, our mother, would be classic Second Temple Period Judaism, as is there. So it's probably a better description to say that Christianity and rabbinic Judaism, as we know it today, are sisters, not mother, mother, daughter. And, uh, and we share the, the, this common source. Okay. So into, uh, into the more meatier stuff that our hero is doing uh, in Deuteronomy. So in verse 11, now he begins uh, to, to, to warn the people. Be careful that you do not forget the Lord your God, failing to observe his commands, his laws, his decrees that I'm giving you today. All right. So the warning is, don't forget God. And what's the connection? So in this sentence, forgetting God, what does it look like? Does it just mean one day you woke up and went, oh, there is no God. We all evolved. Dinosaurs are real. They were on the ark. Okay. No, by not keeping his commandments. Yes, so forgetfulness is linked with disobedience, just as remembering was linked with obeying and doing. And so those are, those are some big things there. So um, observing the commandments, so if, if you forget the Lord, then you will, the way you forget God isn't not to acknowledge that he doesn't exist. The way you forget the Lord is by not putting into practice the things that he says. It's like reading the Bible and going, okay, Jesus says some very nice things, but, and I believe he's real. I believe he was a very nice person wandering around the planet, but I ain't doing any of his stuff. Uh, and so uh, that's when Jesus would say, I, I never knew you. As opposed to, well, I know you exist. Yes, I know you think you know me, but you didn't do what I said, so therefore you didn't really know me. And so the idea of forgetting the Lord is heavily linked to doing something. Now, for a lot of people, that scares them. Once we start talking about having to do anything, you know, people start having heart palpitations and, and <laughs> wanting to get pieces of paper and nail them to big cathedral walls and, and, and start rev political revolutions. Um, and, and okay, it's one of the dangers. We can get so caught up in the doing that we forgot why we were even doing it in the first place. 
And uh, but here, he, Moses is giving a warning because he's already warned them before. He says, "Listen, you're going to go into the land. You're going to forget God. Don't." And the way the way you're going to remember the Lord is you'll keep doing all these uh, laws, many of which, some of them, we have no idea why we do them, even to this day. Okay, I mean, some of them are pretty obvious. Thou shalt not steal. Why not? Because it's not your stuff, and you don't like it when someone takes your stuff. Okay, it's, it's pretty obvious, right? Don't, 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 don't sleep with your neighbor's wife. You know, it's not your wife. Go get your own. You know, these kinds of things. But some of the laws just make no sense, and we really don't understand. Okay, and the, and the, uh, for rabbis, even to this day, doesn't matter who I ask. They still don't understand the biblical law of shutness. What is shutness, I hear you ask? It's where God says, don't, don't weave two types of cloth together. Okay? And, um, and yet, what does Levi's jeans make their stuff out of? <laughs> Polyester. Okay, the word poly means there's more than one. Okay? And you think, okay, how can that possibly be? But they, but they do, and no one can figure out what it is. They know it's written in the text. No one has 100% sure what it means. They, think, they, they look for some more allegorical spiritual meaning and, and, and pretty much say, well, one day the Messiah will come, and dang it, he's going to explain what this verse means. Uh, another good one is don't cut the corners of your hair. What is a corner of your hair? There are some traditions that say it's this little bit. Okay, and they grow this bit out. Side curls. Side curls, that's right. And they, and they <laughs> twizzle it around their fingers and it makes little loops. And then, you know, by the time they're six years old, it's got these lots of curls. And uh, it can kind of look cool sometimes on a small child. Okay. Um, but there are other Jews, Jewish uh, rabbis who don't do that. And so you can look at, we've got, I think, two chief rabbis of Jerusalem, one Sephardi, one Ashkenazi. Only one of them has payot. Okay? Same biblical command. They're reading the same Bible. But one of them doesn't quite understand or agree what is or what isn't a corner of your hair. So they don't know. So, Aaron, some, some of them have this tradition that it relates to not, not harvesting the corners of your fields. But that's not in the text. Correct. That's right. And because there's other, actually several times where God already says that quite deliberately. Yeah. Um, and yet, and, um Yes, let me just add something to that, um, Aaron. Um, you know, when the Torah was given, the children of Israel, they, they, they were presented the Torah about three times, and it says, we will do. And um, the last one says, we will do and we will hear. Yeah. And so um, for most of those commands that are not, uh, we don't understand, um, the, the rabbis Israel explained that we will do before we understand. That's, That's what it uh, literally means. Yeah. We, will do, we will do the commandments simply because they are commandments. Yeah. Right? God, God speaks, so we do. And we might not understand we it, but we'll try and put it into practice. And, uh, and so, and, and yeah, so we're even, even Christians are also doing this too, by the way. We often create yeah. rules amongst ourselves, not always 100% sure why we're doing them. Sometimes we can create some good reasons as to why. Sometimes we can see the results of what happens if we don't do them. Uh, so it is interesting that within our own traditions, of which are many and varied, uh, we create some rules. 
some yeah, then also when it comes to doing, I know um, a lot of Christian background don't like the concept of doing things, you know, that um, salvation is end for us. And um, But one of the um, reference I always make is um, when Nicodemus came to Yeshua and um, asked him, what, what, what must I do? Um, Yeshua didn't tell him, you didn't need to do anything because I've given you salvation. Yeah. He didn't tell him that. And also, when the rich young ruler came to meet him, and he says, what must I do? He said, go keep the commandments. There, there is always a doing um, yeah. from time. Yeah. But it is not the doing that ends us the salvation yeah. because we cannot do enough to end the salvation. That's but, correct. And that's where the tension yeah. comes in. Um, and it's, and it's, it's, it's beautifully expressed in Moses' consistent repetition that they have been taken out of Egypt. Right? He, he said, I don't know how many times he said it already in Deuteronomy. Probably should count it. But every time he says the word remember, he's about to do it again. He's going to say, remember, I took you out of Egypt. What's so special about being taken, taken out of Egypt? Because they didn't do anything to deserve being saved out of Egypt. They just were. It was the compassion, the grace, the love of God, his mercy, and his power. At the same time, you had the mercy and redemption, but you also had God doing some nasty stuff, right? He had to be judge. He had to, he had to bring plagues. He had to bring disease. He had to destroy animals, and he had to destroy the earth, and he had to destroy human beings, all of which are, probably didn't make him feel good himself. But he did it in his love, and he saved and redeemed these people who didn't deserve it, and they hadn't done anything to deserve it, so they get saved. Then they get the Torah, then they get the commandments, and so doing the commandments doesn't get you out of Egypt. Just like obeying Jesus doesn't get him back on the cross. He's already done the, the cross. He's already done the resurrection. He's already secured the redemption. Now we get to obey. Now we get ourselves a king. Now we get to hear his voice. And, and that same theology is right here too, as long as we don't forget. And, and so Moses is saying, don't forget the Lord your God. Again, this Lord your God over 300 times in the book of Deuteronomy, very strong. This is your God. Okay, nobody else's. Failing to observe his commandments, laws, decrees that I'm giving to you this day. Right? Even though they've already had them since Mount Sinai. Remember, they received yeah. before Mount Sinai. They received the commandments. We've got a whole bunch of nice books there. You know, Leviticus, Numbers, all that kind of stuff. We've had a series of priests. Who knows what the heck they were teaching the people because it obviously wasn't that good. And then they want to there's it and they still get here and Moses has to do it again. And the way he does it, he does it so careful, he says, place this on your heart. You know, well, God wanted to test your heart. Keep obeying the commandments. He never said don't. He just said, you know, make sure that you remember it's a heart, a heart issue. Okay, so verse 12. Okay, don't forget. Otherwise, here comes the, uh, the, the warning. He's done this before. I'm going to do it again. When you eat and are satisfied, okay, which you should be blessing the Lord, yes? Right? From, verses, uh, uh, from verse 10. 
Uh, when you eat and are satisfied, you should praise the Lord. But instead, when you build your fine houses and settle down, when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase, think about who he's talking to right now. Who's he talking to? He's talking to a bunch of people that don't have this stuff. Right? Right? We've, been, we've had 40 years in the, in the wilderness. We've lived in a tent. And he's telling them, you're going to have a nice fine house. Oh, boy, I wonder what that feels like. Okay? And you'll be able to settle down. You won't have to keep moving all the time. And you'll have your flocks will grow large. They, don't, well, they won't just be the, the one or two that we've got now that we can sustain out here in the desert. Um, when all that you have is multiplied, and verse 14, and then your heart will become proud, and in your pride you will forget the Lord your God, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. And, uh, and so here you see the, uh, the idea that, um, that Moses constantly brings back sacred history. Please remember where you guys came from. You did not come from here. Right? The big narrative that's different for the Jewish people in their sacred history is that they were not the original inhabitants of this land. Other nations, other societies, other peoples all have a really cool story about where they came from and how the land was always theirs and they've been here since time immemorial. But Moses wants to make clear with his people and that that is not the case. They will always have to remember that they were slaves. Always remember that you came from a humble beginning. Always remember you did not generate out of the rock from Jerusalem. In fact, Jerusalem was already built before you got here. You captured it. And, um, and that, uh, I think, is a very, very powerful part of the narrative of the Jewish people. Okay, so... What's the danger here, guys? Complacency. To have a self Complacency? Yvonne? Or to have like a self-righteousness. And, and it's interesting because in the next chapter, he says it's not because of your righteousness uh, that they're going to possess the land, but because of, you know, the wickedness of the nation. So it's that, you know, this righteousness, we think we're good enough, we think we deserve it. You know, this is like the world we live in right now. It's all about my rights, my rights. Oh, and we have no rights. It's just it's God's justice and righteousness. Yes, correct. We have, um, yes, what are our rights? Our right is to be called the children of God, and that's pretty much it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's a great wow. but that's it. Yes, a bit of complacency, a bit of, uh, what did you say, Neville? Yeah, no, that was it, yeah. Yeah. A bit of self-righteousness. Okay. Um, yes, Solomon asked just for enough, too much, and he would have forgotten uh, Yahweh, Yehovah, but too little would have been driven to steal. Yes, indeed, that's um, from Proverbs, I think. Yeah. Uh, part of the wisdoms of Proverbs. Uh, yeah. And... Um, Indeed, but look what happened to Solomon. Um, he asked for not too much, but then he took too much. Right? He got himself too many, too many women, and he uh, raised his military budget and got too many horses. And, 
and uh, and by the end he had forgotten where he had, he had started from um, and it's even sad that uh, you can have there are some interesting comments in the Talmud where they have a debate is Solomon even in heaven yeah. Yeah. Aaron I'll just give you the, the Proverbs references chapter 30 verse um, th 8 one of the words of Agur the son of Yaki he says two things ask of you deny them not to me before I die remove far from me falsehood and lying give me neither poverty nor riches feed me with the food that is needful for me lest I be fool and deny you and say who is the Lord or lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of the Lord yep it's uh, that that section is also the line on give me today my daily bread it's how that gets into the uh, the Lord's prayer mm -hmm. okay so here we've got this idea that uh, we eat, we are satisfied, we fail to bless the Lord. We are having success. Everything that the Lord has promised is actually coming to pass. God had said, I'm going to do this for you. But that success, which was a blessing from God, brings, unfortunately, pride, actually leads to, to um, our downfall. And so what's the remedy? How do you protect yourself against that? That pride. You remember remind what the Lord. You remind yourself, Yvonne, that you're a slave. <laughs> yes, you do. Okay. And um, uh, I'm, who was it? Just oddly enough, last week, um, I was getting changed in the vestry uh, during Easter. We we're we're wearing our robes. It's not something that Christchurch normally does. Um, and so I was putting on my um, my cincture, does anyone know what a cincture is? Okay, it's, uh, it's a, a rope. It's a rope that, that people, that priests and, and deacons and that monks tie around themselves. And um, they never tie a belt. They don't decorate themselves with a nice sash. They tie a rope. Why do they tie a rope around them? Anyone know? It's to symbolize slavery. That's what it's for. If you actually, if you, if you look for the, 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 the reason, why do we tie a rope around ourselves out of anything in the costume that it could be? It's just rope. The rest of your material might be really expensive. And some of these albs that you wear, they're not cheap. But that $10 rope is, okay, because it's to remind you that you're a slave. I mean, you're a slave to God, yes. But it's to remind you when you're putting it on, you're a slave. And you do a little loop, and, uh, and that, that's the reason why. Yeah. And that's I remember that. Jesus says in one of his parables that it says, when you have done everything, you still call yourself an unprofitable servant. Yes, that's in Luke, I think. I think mm. that's a, a passage. In yeah, I can't remember exactly where. After we have done everything, all you can say is, I've just done my duty. I'm nothing more than a slave. Yeah, and, and David Pawson's take on it is, Basically says, what it means is really that God has to invest more in you than you ever pay back. Therefore, you are unprofitable. Well, that's not a bad little way, is it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yes. What, 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 isn't there a psalm? What can I pay back to the Lord? What can I render to the Lord? Um, I can't remember off the top of my head. I'll, I'll have to look it up. Yeah. Okay. So yes, it was David that said, "What shall I render to the Lord for His benefits towards me?" 
Right. Yes. I mean, yeah, what possible thing could I possibly give him back? I was the youngest of my family, and now he gave me a kingdom. No? Yeah. I, I, was, I was guarding sheep, and now I get to guard the people of God. You know, I, I used to throw stones at bears, then, I, then he gave me the opportunity to kill giants. I mean, I was, it doesn't matter what I do about him. He's always going to, uh, he's, he's given me too much. I bet we could all say the same. Absolutely. And what's interesting is all of us here all have different amounts of stuff. So do we? None of us have exactly the same. I'm, I'm pretty sure about that. And yet we can all say that what we have is from the Lord. We can all say is I didn't deserve it. And all say is I hope that I can use it for, the, for God's glory. And that's interesting. It's not all the same. Anyway, so eat, fail to bless the Lord. In our success, become proud. Pride's a big problem. Okay, We're supposed to be in a very humble place. And our heart becomes proud. And it's always about a heart issue, whether that heart's good in humility or whether that heart's bad in, in pride. And then, and then remember, don't forget God. Who is this God? This is the God who took you out of Egypt. You weren't originally from here. You were a slave. And then there's a bit more sacred history. He led you through the vast and dreadful wilderness, that thirsty and waterless land with its venomous snakes and its scorpions, and he brought you water out of the rock. Okay. So anything there that uh, strikes you? What strikes me is, okay, God is leading me. Wonderful. Fantastic. God is with me. God is with the camp of Israel, going before them, guiding them, living with them, guarding them as a pillar of cloud and a, and a pillar of fire. So where does he take them? Through snakes, yeah? Yes, I mean, it's, 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 hang on a second. If you're leading me, why are we not going to a beautiful beach? And, hey, where's that beautiful water? Yeah. How about um, how about you take me to the promised land? I mean, you're the best compass there is on the planet. Okay, you know where you're going. And so, uh, many times we often only think that the Lord is with us when all things are going good. Right? Mm -hmm. What took us out of Egypt? That was incredible. We got to see, we got to see miracles. We got to, we got to witness darkness. We got to witness, you know, um, uh, the, the, the river, the, the sea crushing into Pharaoh and wiping out the most powerful army on the planet. But uh, that's great. When when things are going well, we can always say, "Isn't the Lord doing great? Isn't the Lord with me?" It's all going fantastic. But what happens? Okay, when, uh, what happened to us uh, recently? When your car breaks, <laughs> can you say the Lord is with me? Can you say he is leading me? Can you say he's right here with me? As opposed to, Lord, what are you doing? Are you not paying attention to me right now? Did you not see this? Okay, I was doing a good deed. I was driving a volunteer. Why did it break? You know, um, here you have an interesting thing. He led me through a vast and dreadful wilderness. But we were surrounded by, it was, it was a bad place. We were surrounded by enemies. Not only that, the animals themselves, the very things that part of creation that you would normally think is beautiful and wonderful, as the Lord said, is good. Snakes and scorpions. It's interesting that scorpions is only mentioned here in, in the Torah. 
It's not mentioned anywhere else. I actually don't know. Um, no, I didn't, uh, I didn't look at that. No. I couldn't get past the snake. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Where have I heard that before? <laughs> there, is, there is something about snakes. There's not many humans. There are humans who love snakes. I know there are. Is there anybody here who really likes snakes or has a pet snake? No. No. I know some people who do. But the usual human reaction about a snake is, um, I'll just get my lawnmower and I'll run over the darn thing, okay? So you're mowing the lawn, there's a snake in front of you, lower the blades down and go for it, okay? <laughs> um, uh, and so, yeah, they conjure up. They, they conjure up everything that is dark, you know, especially in the Bible. When you think of the snake, what do you think of? The fall the of Eve and the, the garden. Yes. Yeah, the yeah. ancient serpent. Yes, you think of deception. You think of it as bad. Here they even, they even add in the idea of poison, right? So the, um, one, of the, one of the names of the fallen angels, the... Uh, the angels all get named in some of the other books that are in other people's Bibles. And one of the names of the angels that um, was the one that, uh, according to uh, the book of Enoch, rides the snake. Okay? His name is Samael, which means the poison of God or the venom of God. And the sort of idea that uh, it's a very much... <laughs> But surrounded by all this bad stuff, Okay, these scorpions and, um, and snakes. Uh, you get this one little bit that reminds us that God is with us all the time. And it's the water from the rock. Okay. Water out of hard rock. And I know we've talked about it before. Okay, guys, what's the tradition of the Jewish people in the desert? This rock followed them around. Correct. Oh, 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 me, me, me too. Yeah, is that this, this, this rock never abandoned them. God never abandoned them. That this beautiful provision of living water that, uh, that, that was perpetual followed them. So in the desert, under heat, in, in a dry land, surrounded by bad animals uh, and violence and uh, nasty tribes, if people could, could ever forget that there was a Lord with them, despite the fact they had the tabernacle and other stuff, uh, they could always turn around and say, well, today I get my water from him. He's still with me. He's still watering my family. And, uh, and I think that's a very beautiful image, particularly in our modern period, when we do have to remember that when there is a hard time, we're all going to face it. Some of us are going through them right now that uh, we have to remember that God is the one leading us and at the same time sustaining. He's both the guide, he's both shield and defender. Yeah, there are enemies. You do have to be careful. I'm sure some people were bitten by stakes. I'm sure some people did, did step on scorpions. And I'm 100% sure there are a few kids who could say, yeah, Moshe, why, 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 what was that? Why, why, was, why is my foot all swollen right now? Because it got stung. But... God was a provider, and, uh, and in that testing, uh, it made them the better people. Verse 16. Yeah, I have a quick question. Um, just one. 
Let, let's right. take Bongo first because that's the tradition. <laughs> okay, <laughs> all right. <laughs> and then and then Samson's go. Yvonne? All right. Oh yeah. Um I have a quick question about the 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 uh, the serpent. You know that Hebrew word nahash and how some say that it's not actually it wasn't actually the like an animal serpent, but it could be the actual like fallen carob, you know, Satan. What are your thoughts about that? Um that's an interesting question. Um, uh, is Aria here? No? Okay. Um, yes, yes, Aria is here. Okay, yeah. Do you, do you know which part of uh, the Hebrew Bible, somewhere in Genesis, it talks about the, um, the, the fiery serpents, the Nachash Sfirah? Well, uh, I don't know, but the text we have here says Nachash Saraf the Saraf is in here as well. Yeah, so there's a, there's a, what that is, is um, Yvonne, you are correct. There is a tradition that this snake was something not quite the snakes we, we are looking at today, that it was, it was more like a, a fiery thing and, uh, and may have been um, a, a, or may have been infused with, a spirit of some kind, so much so that the um, Book of Enoch just can't imagine a snake actually talking, and so they they, they make a fallen angel mm -hmm. speak behind the snake, and they give him a name, Samael. He rides it, and and uh, you end up with this image of um, uh, the bad guys riding beasts. Uh, you ever heard of that image before? The woman rides the beast. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sort of. Sort of. It, it, it's a. It's a it's a Second Temple period take on, on mm -hmm. some of the texts that are there. So, yeah, while you can still translate it very fairly, snake, it does give you room to sort of think, well, maybe there's something a bit more than just an animal. That whole idea of riding the beast with the uh, with the golden calf and the gods, right? And that yes. Thing yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 All, all pagan gods rode animals, mm -hmm. uh, particularly bulls, yes, or, or some sort of big big beast, mm -hmm. uh, uh, lions and griffins and things. Samson. Okay. Uh, oh, uh, sorry, Samson, you go. Okay. All right. Thank you. Um, Yes, so concerning the rock um, that followed them in the desert, um, um, even Paul emphasized that in Corinthians, that um, referring to Christ as the rock that went with them in the wilderness. Um, is it figuratively that was being spoken, or the rock was physically moving with them, like the cloud? We could understand how the cloud could move, um, but sometimes um, I was asked this question, but I, I didn't know how to respond to it. That if we look at the rock, was it a physical rock that was moving with them or something? Good question. Um, okay, so there are, there are two traditions, two major ones, there's a few others, but there are two major traditions as to how the children of Israel get water while they're in the desert. One is this wandering rock, okay? Um, Lewis Ginberg's records in his Legends of the Jews, excellent series of texts, five books, uh, well worth getting. He records it that it was actually a well, that just constantly moved. Um, the other tradition and uh, major one is actually it's Miriam. She does all the finding and that her special power as a prophet is that uh, she could always lead them to water. Um, and 
and uh, and the Bible has a, can lead you in that direction because it does say that uh, in the same sentence, uh, Miriam died. Very next words are and there was no water. So there's sort of like a definite little little link there. Um, here, uh, Moses doesn't mention actually Moses doesn't mention his sister at all. And um, also note that in the in the Torah, whenever it talks about Miriam, it only ever says she's the sister of Aaron. Aaron. <laughs> I can't tell you the reason why. It's just one of those strange things that when it comes to having a, a, a genealogy, Moses doesn't get one, right? We don't hear about his kids. We don't, you know, um, you know sort of he doesn't talk about him. We hear a little bit about his wife and family, but not a lot. Uh, and then when you get to Aaron and, uh, and, and Miriam, they, te they tend to work together and he's always a little, little separate. But here he doesn't mention Miriam. He actually focuses on, um, on, a, on a rock. Could be because um, oh. yeah, I prefer the idea, Aaron, of the uh, of the Miriam theme. Part main, well, mainly because when the Lord says that I I provided you water throughout the wilderness, then it seems reasonable that it had to become either by divine revelation or by prophetic insight that He was able to reveal where the water was. Right. So every single time that it had to be an intervention, they couldn't rely on you know. Um, some person who happened to know where to find water wherever they went, they had to seek the Lord for it and come it, and have it come through a prophecy. That seems to me to, to, to fit the circumstances better. Cool. Yeah. Yep. And right. then the whole thing about Israel, Israel relying on rainwater, really. There's no yeah. big sources of water in Israel, just relying on the Lord. Yes. And we have to make sure, especially in today's context, Israel has had an abundantly wonderful rain season. We must not get proud about that. We must say, thank you, Lord. This was fantastic. It's all yours. Your, your creation is going green. It's springing up with flowers. It's praising your name. And, uh, and, and, and try not to think that, hey, you know, aren't we doing a good job? It, it's the Lord's blessing. And he really blessed this land this, this season. Hey, Roddy, you got a, a raised hand? Yeah, um, I think it was Yvonne that was asking about Nakash. Yeah, it's a really good question. It's a very important question. It's something that mainstream Christianity over the centuries has pushed under the rug. Um, if she wants to learn more about this Nakash and the fall, mm -hmm. his, his, here's where you learn to do this. His name is uh, Dr. Michael Heiser. He spent 15 okay, yeah, years, yeah, yeah. four books, studying this issue. It's 100% a scholarly review with nothing but scripture and all of the text starting from the first century forward. And it's a really important issue. That people should delve into it more so they can have a better understanding of, of who God is, who is this council, who is it that let us make man in our image, but yet God made man in his image. And it answers a lot of these questions, and it puts uh, a lot of things into perspective, especially for the end times. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Roddy. Yeah, I know he, he talks about that divine counsel and stuff. Pretty interesting. Thank you very much, yeah. Yep, Unseen Realm is the scholarly book. Right, he yep. He's it down to two other books, and then he'll... Supernatural, right? That's yeah, the simple one for people who don't right, want to do the scholarly right. stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay, sorry. No, no, thanks, Roddy. Thanks, Roddy. So um, we go into a dry and a thirsty land, 
Okay, and this is uh, actually a good thing. Why? Because so far, last large amounts of what we've been talking about are relating to food. After you've eaten and satisfied, bless the Lord. If you happen to get too much food, you'll forget God. Don't forget we were in a desert once where we didn't have any food and we had to constantly get water and, 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 and manna. So there's this little constant little plague. And, uh, and I like it that um, uh, uh, Bernardo just reminded me there that um, you know who also really hates snakes? Indiana Jones. <laughs> that makes perfect sense because Steven Spielberg's Jewish, okay? And that makes perfect sense. Okay, so we better, better include that one in, uh, in their movie together. All right. Excellent. All right. Um, so uh, he gave us manna to eat. This is verse 16, okay, um, in, the, in the wilderness, which, which is, again, wonder why we had to have this because we already had lots of cows and sheep and stuff. Uh, and, uh, and even when we're coming into the land, we've got lots of livestock. But for a brief moment in time, even though it's 40 years, the Bible stops talking about them. And, um, and we get this product called mana. Okay? Something that our ancestors had never known. No one's ever eaten this stuff. Okay? And why did we get it? It was to humble us and test us so that in the end, it might go well with you. And I guess that's um, uh, probably the point uh, of all tests is, uh, is that we have to be, get to a place of humility. Pride is not something that we should be concerning ourselves with, but unfortunately it is heavily linked to forgetfulness. Right? This idea of forgetting where we came from, forgetting our roots, forgetting um, the, the, the sin that was behind us and for the Israelis, it's, it's forgetting that they didn't come from Israel, forgetting that they were actually in Egypt, they were actually slaves. They were redeemed before they were even keeping Torah. Okay. Aaron, Aaron, might I ask a question here? Uh, at the letter N, so that everybody is, gets to that letter N, is this the same principle as being prepared without spot and blemish? Hmm. So say that again. Is, is, can this be related or the same principle in this, in this way of being proved and humbled so that we get to the latter end? Is the same thing yes. as we read in the lives of Jude and that, that, that the Holy Spirit is preparing us that, so that we are without spot and blemish. So, you know, like the lamb was without spot and blemish, so it followed through as a pattern. Yes. Everything, everything that we see in the Hebrew Bible shows up in the Greek Bible in that exact same thought. You go through those wildernesses with the Lord. You go through those wildernesses in danger. You go through the with his constant provision. And in so doing, we get to this humble place. We get, we get, um, we get, we get eventually, finally, to cast away our pride. We get to that place where, where we're humble and God can mold us and shape us and, and test us so that we also know our heart as, as he does and will. And then, and, but the end is, it's going to be good. It's going to be glorious. It's going to be the new body. It's going to be the kingdom of heaven. It's going to be a new creation. It's going to be all of those wonderful things. But she's rough. Yeah. I mean, no one likes uh, tests, but yet it's good for us. And at the end, and Moses is, I guess, with his one line, and it'll be fine at the end. 
Okay, I don't know about pep talks that you hear, but, but usually when someone says, and, it's, and it'll all work out in the end, um, doesn't always sit well. But it's true. Okay, it, it, it is true. So discipline, training, adventure, all of those things that are part uh, of the faith walk uh, with the Lord. And how do we keep faithful? We don't forget. All right. And uh, because here's the danger, verse 17. You may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hand has produced this wealth for me. Okay? They get wealth. You get the blessing. Okay? And yet that wealth can in itself become a trap. So we have to always be careful what we ask the Lord for. Right? Always be careful about um, how we use the gifts that, that God gives us. Um, and the danger is to say something like, I deserve it. Right? You know, I've been a good boy. You know, I worked on the mission field, so God's going to give me a big house now. Right? I mean, that's not fair. Okay? So my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth. No, they didn't. They worked hard because God told you to work hard. You were obeying because God told you to obey. There's no, what does that rabbi say? The reward of, of doing a mitzvah is what? Another mitzvah. Another mitzvah. mitzvah. Okay? It's not a million shekels. It's not a giant mansion. The reward of doing a mitzvah is you get to obey the Lord another time and take that as, as the pleasure. Uh, so it, it, we, we, all, we often do it. And uh, we often see it uh, in communities that, um, that, that gain a, a good building, that uh, have a successful school, uh, have a great impact in the community and then grow into like, you know, a mega church. And then, then the, the pride sets in, you know, and uh, we forget what, what, why we built the school in the first place. We forget why we uh, started sharing the gospel in that community. And, uh, and it wasn't to, to build a magnificent church, although those are good things too. It was, um, it was we've got to keep ourselves away from pride. Uh, and in verse 18, again, memory. But remember, remember the Lord your God. Because okay? it is he that gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so confirm or to uphold uh, his covenant which he swore to your ancestors, right, as it is to this day. So remember the Lord your God, obviously the opposite of forgetting. And how do you remember? You remember by? Doing. Doing. Yeah. And in this case, God gives us the ability to produce wealth. So wealth isn't in and of itself a bad thing. Wealth isn't evil. Uh, the abuse of wealth, just as the abuse of poverty, is evil. And, um, and it, this isn't, uh, we don't see, or we shouldn't, uh, see social justice in the Bible. You should see justice. Right? All God's ways are justice. Uh, too, too often... Um, we, we like to put the word social justice in front of justice. But justice and social justice are two different things. Hey, what's the difference, guys? Anyone have a bumper sticker line for the difference between social justice, which our world loves 
to talk about right now and demand and change our entire lifestyles based off and justice. I'll give a few a hint. Justice is blind. Yes? Yeah. Right? Okay. It doesn't matter what color you are. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter whether you're a girl or a guy. Uh, you commit crime A, punishment is B. Social justice is not about uh, that. What they try and do is they'll say something like, hang on, your color does matter. Your social economic status does matter. And that is the reason why you shouldn't get the same punishment as a guy of a different color. And that's not correct. So justice is about making everyone equal before the law. Social justice is just making everyone equal. So we'll take from somebody and give it to somebody else and make us a bumper sticker, one, one flat line. But real justice is just God will treat us the same. And he's going to treat the Israel the same as the nations that they, that they inhabit. If they follow their gods, they will be destroyed. They will get the same punishment. And so we have to be very careful uh, when playing the social justice game. We should play God's justice, and, uh, which is the best justice, particularly when his justice also includes a heck of a lot of mercy. But he's also not against wealth. What he's against is the love of money. What he's against is not being generous. What he's against is having that wealth uh, uh, make you forget the law, in which case, not a good thing. And so you have, um, you, uh, for those of you who have uh, do Passover seders, which is always a fantastic time of the year, um, uh, in the Passover seder, um, there's, a, there's a section where um, Dayenu, okay? you sing a song, you have a little, little, little mantra that describes um, it would have been enough, yes? You know, if you'd only just taken that out of Egypt, that would have been fine. We could have, just, we could have just wandered around, we would have been happy. If you'd only just given us water from the rock, but, but, but not the land of Israel, we would have been okay. And um, it keeps going on to sort of say it, 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 uh, it was enough. There's a, there's, a, there's a comment that, uh, that the rabbis or the Jewish commentators would say, boy, you know, if we knew that going into Israel, conquering the land of Canaan was going to lead to idolatry, we should have just stayed in the desert with God. Okay? Right? That, that's what we should have done. We should have just been wandering nomads. God would have lived with us in the tabernacle. would have been perfect. But God does want to bless you. He does want to give you a good land. He does want to give you an inheritance. He does want to journey into the land with you. He does want to make his name great through Israel and through, through, uh, through all the good things that he gives us. But we have to be careful that that wealth that we remember, we didn't make it. We didn't, uh, it didn't come from us. It is a blessing. And if God is so generous to give us something, we have to make sure we use it for the sake of the kingdom. We have to make sure that we share it. We have to make sure that we don't try and hold on to it with all our heart. Instead, we do our best to look for other people uh, to bless. Uh, what, what does Yeshua say? It is more blessed to give. 
Yeah, it's more blessed to give than to receive. And the best giver is God, is it not? Yes, it is. And so God delights to give good things to his children. He delights to share his Holy Spirit with uh, the body of the Messiah. You know, he delights in all these things. He's constantly giving, giving, giving. Yes, he does expect some obedience in return. Uh, and, uh, and, and, and here he reminds us that, look, don't say that you did all this. You didn't. It wasn't your power. It wasn't your wealth. I gave you the ability to, to do this. So, Aaron, can I just add a comment in there about yes. this? Just from the Sermon on the Mount from Matthew chapter 6, where, he, where Jesus is talking about as the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, if your eye is good, then your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, meaning if you're, if you're stingy, yeah. your whole body will be full of darkness. And he says, if then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So I, I've never heard someone really, we emphasize this punchline at the end saying, you know, you have two options. We have, you have generosity and stinginess. And Jesus is trying to say, just don't go anywhere near that end of the spectrum. Just face away, face towards generosity, head in that direction. Because if your body's full of darkness, it is a profound darkness. It is so unlike my father in heaven. It's shocking. Yes. Well said. Indeed. Um, Jesus is, is, is mimicking the words uh, of the Torah here, the heart of God. We should run towards generosity, brothers and sisters, in everything that we have. Uh, and that in, even includes just the love that we share. We have to make sure that we're generous even with our own uh, love for our neighbor, for all people. So remember the Lord your God, because it is he that gives you the ability to produce wealth. It is a blessing. And this confirms his covenant, right? Because uh, which he swore to your ancestors. This, uh, uh, it's an interesting, interesting. This translation here confirm uh, the Hebrew. There is um, is kum hakum, isn't it? Um, Arie to stand to 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 which which verse? Verse um, nineteen. Hakim. Hakim, hakum, isn't it? Hakim, hakum. Hakim, hakim. It's from the verb la lakum to, to get up. And uh, laman hakim. Yeah. The word here is hakim in this case. Yeah, for the sake of uh, upholding or standing up the covenant. And so, um, in in God's eyes, the way He makes sure that He's also holding on the end of His bargain is to bless. Israel, okay, to bless his people. And um, so you can see it in the world today. God has brought his people back to this land, a good land. And he didn't just leave them a poor third world nation. Right? Imagine what sort of God that would look like to the world, yes? Oh, God brought back Israel and they're poor as rocks. You know? God's like, hang on a second. This is my covenant here. You want to see how good I am? Let's go. And we have this, this, this uh, nation that continues to produce. And, okay, it's not perfect, but at least it shares. It, uh, it, it's, it's, it shares its uh, technology with us. We're all using Israeli technology. 
whenever there's a disaster, Israel most often uh, sends in the first response teams. Uh, Israel would like to be a little bit more generous, but there are many nations that will not let it be. Okay? It, it produces lots of food and sells it to Europe. Um, all of this is good. And it needs to do that and more. It needs to continue to share the good things that, that it gives, that, that God blesses with it. And in so doing, uh, shines the light of heaven and gives. And, and, and we as, as, as believers should continue to poke and prod them uh, to continue to do so. But reminding we need to do that ourselves in our homes and with our generosity. Okay? To, to, God loves us. God takes care of us. And in so doing, uh, we need to be able to turn around and share everything that he has done. Uh, and God keeps his end of the covenant because he made oaths. He swore to uh, the patriarchs. Uh, the last couple of verses, again, um, remind us of what disobedience is, the forgetfulness. If you ever forget the Lord your God okay, and follow after other gods and worship and bow down to them. Now, why would you trade one God for another? I mean, that's an interesting. What, what, if, if you, I, can, I, can, I can imagine people wanting to become atheists. Yeah, let's, just, let's just not believe in nothing. But um, to deliberately say, oh, actually, I'll go to somebody else's God. In Brazil, it's interesting. We have a lot of syncretism, especially with spiritism. So people will go to the churches yeah. And then if they think they can get something from some sort of, you know, spiritual medium stuff, then they'll have like one leg in each kind of, you know, religion. So it's a big thing here. Just what can I get out? Like I want the best of both worlds. So whatever gives me the most, then I'll just know, tend to that, to that God. Do you, have, do you have like witch doctors or stuff like that? Um, in Brazil? Yeah. Yeah. We have uh feiticeiros and, uh, yeah, they're, they're like witch doctors and they make you do works and like cut off chicken heads and put it on the corners of roads and stuff. <laughs> and we have, the, we have like the Indians in the Amazon. When we worked in the Amazon, my husband, we lived there for four years. And there's a lot of the uh, indigenous, uh, you know, witchcraft. Uh, and uh, that's kind of crazy too. And so, yeah, we've, we've got a lot of that here in Brazil. Yeah, okay. But it also boils something. down to selfish desire, right? It's like selfish desire is what it boils down to, what getting your needs met. Okay, yeah. yeah, I'll also, that yeah. Point, yeah. also Solomon did it when he, because he wanted to please his wives. So he just, so he was influenced by them and just to keep them happy. Yeah, and that's interesting that the text deliberately says that, doesn't it? it you know, it says, and he did it. Because of his wives. Like, yeah. Why would you do that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah in, I'll, I'll, in some I, circumstances. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead, area. Okay. Um, I just wanted to share the, the way that Jeremiah puts this in chapter 2. So this is, I'll just read three verses. Jeremiah chapter 2, verses 11 to 13. He says, Has a nation changed its gods even though they are no gods? But my people have changed their glory for that which does not profit. Be appalled, O heavens, at this. Be shocked and utterly desolate, declares the Lord. For my people have committed two evils. They've forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and they've hewed out cisterns for themselves, 
broken systems that broken can systems. hold no water. Yeah. It's a really powerful, you know, verse 12, be appalled, O heavens. You know, he's so profoundly shocked that this should ever, ever happen. Yeah, and I like Israel. to around to the angels, and he says, do you see what these guys are doing? I mean, um, half the angels are going, uh, yeah, well, we did this too. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're shocked, Lord. Um, it's true. It's Why would you turn your back on someone who's been so good? Uh, on a very practical level, um, a lot of people that's um, kind of um, – Put one leg in God and also a one leg in other voodoo. Uh, many of them you get in contact with will tell you that um, it takes long. It takes a longer time with God. If you, if, yeah. if you, yeah, they tell you it takes a longer time with God. I mean, we, in Africa, yeah, we have a lot of people that still try to that still try to maintain those Asian tradition of idol worship, and um, they will tell you in in justice system it, it takes longer with God. In, in trying to get rich or trying to get prosperity, it takes longer with God. So we want to, we want the one that's faster or things like that. Yeah. Uh, also, it's interesting also, in Brazil, I'm sorry, oh, it's interesting oh, in Brazil, like even the, the people that are involved, like the, these voodoo people, they still acknowledge, I mean, they still acknowledge that the power of God, which is very interesting. Yes. So, but also as... Yeah. Also, also as Cheryl says, you know, selfish desire. It's it's as, it's as simple as the Lord God does something good for me in a way that I don't know or I don't understand or I don't get because it's not the way I see it or what, the way I want it. Yeah. So I'll chase for what I think is right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Doing what is right in our own eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Let's get into the land and get quickly to the Book of Judges. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yes, I, I remember from last week that uh, uh, Neville made that statement. This test wasn't a quick test. It was a 40-year test. And many times, as, as, uh, as I mentioned in the write-up, that um, the Lord's tests, the Lord's time, the Lord's uh, time when the, the things get blessed is, is not out longer. And, uh, and perhaps there's a reason for that. Perhaps he, he, he does it deliberately because he really is wanting us to prove our loyalty. Okay? I, I, want, I want you to know your heart. Where are you really? Are you waiting for me? Do you love me? Do you trust me? Or do you want the quick fix? And, I, and uh, as Samson says, too many of us want the quick fix. You know, we've, we've, especially I, I, I've noticed in my little travels around the world that... Um, you know, God instantly answers prayers these days. Right? And it's incredible, right? We pray and God instantly does stuff. Um, and then when you look at the Bible, it took them a little longer. Yes, God answers prayers instantly, absolutely. But also he doesn't. And when yeah, he think, of, think of Zechariah and Elizabeth. Yes. Yeah, they waited a lot. Also, in uh, the story of Hezekiah, um, I think it was in Kings. Uh, it says that God withdrew himself from Hezekiah to see what was in Hezekiah's heart. Yes. No, uh, God kind of withdrew himself from him, you know. And sometimes we experience that um, uh, God does that just to, you know, make us to see who we really are. Um, David prayed a prayer and he says, um, search my heart and see what's in it. And, you know, and um, God, you know, threw it at him and he fell. In other words, 
we shouldn't be um, too proud of our, our exploits in God. We should know that it's always been by the grace of God. I mean, if you see so much powerful Psalms written by David and you try to marry it with his act with Bathsheba, you will just wonder how can somebody that has gone this far with God do this? I mean, even the extent of trying to cover it up, killing Uriah. I mean, it's, we shouldn't just be boastful about whatever we have achieved in God. We should just know that it's by his mercies. Absolutely. And, and, and so we have to not forget the Lord because we will then most likely want instant things, chase other gods. Uh, we, we need to remember uh, what the Lord has done and remember his word. He sustains the entire universe with his word. And his word also contains commandments. There are things we can do, things that we can't do. And so as, as part of God's justice, God doesn't say, okay, you know, um, if you do something wrong, I'll just, I'll just hang ten and, and be nice. It says, I testify against you today that you will be destroyed if you do this. Right? If you chase after other gods, you will not like that consequence. And the consequence is just like the nations that the Lord destroyed before you. Now, which nations is he talking about here? The nations that were in Canaanites, the Hittites, the, yeah, the Parasites. If, if there are some people that would say that this is, is, is the hand of a redactor, right? We haven't actually haven't conquered Canaan yet. Where you know someone's come along and sort of said, "Okay, we've already done it. We'll just add those in." But we've, the other option is we've actually already wiped out a couple of nations. Just getting to this point, remember, we've already conquered the east bank of the Jordan. We've actually already settled that land. We've even in the in previous chapters of Deuteronomy, we've even set up refuge refuge cities with with Levites in them. And we've already done stuff, and we've wiped out the two big guys, the last remaining descendants of the fallen angels, uh, Og and Sihon. Right? We've wiped out the Amorites. We're taking care of those guys. And uh, so the nations, the Lord, we've destroyed them. They do not exist anymore. Okay? And, and that'll happen to us. Right? And this will be destroyed for not, not and, and the word is not now, not forgetting. The Lord is uh, now, the word is now for not obeying the Lord your God. But obedience is linked to memory linked to forgetfulness, which is linked to idolatry and pride and all those other things. So it's not easy to separate what we call works righteousness. They're the same thing. Right? It's all linked, all connected together. Our obedience, which is linked to the mercy and grace of God. Our obedience is linked to forgetfulness and remembering. Our obedience is linked to life and eternal life. Our obedience is linked to humility and pride. It's all, it's all, it's all connected, uh, and so Moses here reminds us to make sure our hearts are okay, to remind us of where we came from, uh, that we were just slaves. We do have a fantastic destination. It is most definitely a good land. It is overflowing with all of these seven species. There will be wealth. There will be success. There will be glory, and this is also going to be an honor and, and glory to the Lord. It's going to prove to the world that He does what He says He does. That he keeps His promises to His. To his, uh, to his, to his, his patriarchs, um, and 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 to remind ourselves that we didn't achieve it because we deserved it. This was 
uh, something given to us by God. It is an inheritance that we receive because we're part of the kingdom. We get our salvation because Jesus rose from the dead. But now that we have it, we need to respond. Humility, love, heartfulness, uh, uh, obedience, all of that linked together. Uh, all right. Any other uh, thoughts on our, on our chapter? I think chapter eight is a really cool one. Um, uh, I've actually really enjoyed the last two, two discussions. Um, uh, Aria, I don't know if you were here before, but we did mention uh, the Higgs field and Higgs particle from last week okay? uh, at the oh. beginning. Lovely. <laughs> I had to go. I had to go and research it, and um, unfortunately, I had to reread some articles about two times because I didn't understand what they were talking about. <laughs> did, you, did anyone try and read up the Higgs particle, the Higgs field? Not yet. It is complicated. They just no, no. quantum mechanics. Yeah. They talk I, about forces and things and particles spinning away and what's trying to hold them all together. And it's like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, the, the important part is quite <laughs> simple. The important part is it is not generated by anything in this creation. That's right. It, they, they, they acknowledge it's from somewhere, but I don't know where. <laughs> <laughs> but it's holding electrons in place. It's quite, quite amazing. It, it holds everything. It's, yeah. uh, it's the literal, in my opinion, fulfillment of, of Paul's quotation of the... Uh, a stoic poet when he talks of God in whom we live and move and have our being. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Thanks. Mm. Yeah, well, something interesting. Go, Yvonne. Yep. All right, we're going. Hey, Samson, where do you live? Samson, where are you from? You can do. Might go crazy. Okay, I'm from Nigeria. <laughs> oh, interesting. Wow. Yeah, no, the whole idea about remembering, I was like, oh, we had an issue at our church and and uh, the Zahad, you know, remember the Sabbath, and then the Tzitziot, you know, about the commandments like they were the Tzitzit, and, uh, and then the Passover, how they have, to, you know, the remembrance, and, and then going into the Last Supper, which is basically a reminder of the Passover seders to Zahon, is to remember but what the Lord has done for us. So it's kind of interesting. I'm sorry, Aaron? What does, what does Yeshua say at the Passover? He says, do this. Do, do this to and remember. Me. So remembrance is clearly linked to doing. Mm -hmm. Again, mm -hmm. you end up not doing. What Yeshua says there is a very Jewish thing to say. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And, I, and I think it's a, a shame and a disappointment when we encounter communities that refuse to do those things. You know, we don't like communion, that's too Catholic. And we, you know, we, won't, we won't celebrate holidays, that's too, you know, too religious. And mm -hmm. you end up doing nothing, and very quickly those communities forget what God has, has done. Mm -hmm. Then, you know, the Sabbath also about, you know, to remember, and then you know the uh, the uh, feast of trumpet was it Rosh Hashanah, blowing the trumpets to remember. So it's, it's it's amazing how this remembering. I was talking to Sherry right we were just, after we finished our time. We, we yeah. were, it's talking to each other and what 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 what, what did we learn from the message and 
what kind of stuck to our hearts. And we were talking about this remembrance theme. It's amazing. It's just all over the Bible, all over the Torah. And the it's amazing. It's all over. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and I've noticed, well, Michelle and I have noticed that as we've raised our kids, when you create traditions and you do things again and again, um, that creates, doesn't just create patterns, it creates a family memory. It creates, uh, uh, and it creates an, actually an obedience. So, you know, making sure that on Friday night you get together with the kids and you, um, you have a meal, uh, you watch a movie, you know, you do those things in a, in a religious way, but you create a family. Yeah, and it's, ama- it's, it's amazing how sometimes when you bring in some of the feasts and maybe the Sabbath, some things that, you know, this is Jewish roots or whatever, and, and our church has an, an issue. It's kind of, we're, we're going through some issues in our church. And uh, all churches have no issues, my sister. The blessing of the wilderness, I guess. <laughs> and then, you know, then on the other hand, people will remember, you know, Thanksgiving or, and remember Christmas. And there's, I mean, there's not, it's not an, I mean, it's not a problem. It's just that judgment. If you do remember some of these biblical feasts or you remember the Sabbath, or, it's just amazing how some, you know, some things are okay to remember some things. Oh, that's just, that's not part of the church anymore, you know? So it's kind of tough. Um, yeah. I'm sorry, Yvonne, but um, I love the Sabbath. Uh, everybody Me knows. Me too. Some of the best mm-hmm. Shabbat dinners are over at uh, Ariel's place. Um, <laughs> particularly if we've got Lila there poking and prodding us and then constantly taking all our dishes away from us. <laughs> um, that was a good thing. Mm-hmm. All right. If, if we look at the word remember the, in the Hebrew word zakor, it actually means um, to act on behalf. You know, when it says God remembered, and it's not that God forgot I in any you know, time before remembering her, um, get, got them lost um, about her. But it's, when we talk about remember, it means to act on behalf or to take action to do something. And so whenever we say the word remember, and we look at it as, an, uh, as a command to act on or to do something, then we, we understand how important it is for us to remember all those things that the Lord put remember, remember, remember. It's always important to remember. Yep. Well, mm-hmm. Yep. Yes, it is. Then I wanted to add this um, concerning the the sister relationship, which you said at the beginning concerning the Jews and the Christians, and um, I totally agree with that concept. Uh, rabbinic, because, um, not that's what I'm talking about. Modern day rabbinic Judaism and modern day Christianity are sisters. They're not the mother daughter relationship. Yes, absolutely. Because if you go back to first century period. Yes. Um, you would, of course, you see all those names of those sects that were not um, in the Old Testament. You see the Pharisees, you see the Sadducees, the, um, we even have the Hellenistic Jews and also the Essen from Qumran. You know, all these sects, they, they all believe in one God. And even when Yeshua started having his disciples, they were seen as a sect amongst all these other sects also. And, you know, it's the sect of the Yeshua that we refer to as Christians today. And that means they were all considered as all um, sisters. They have a sibling um, kind of relationship more than the mother-child kind of relationship that a lot of people try to portray right. today. That's right. Yeah. That's, that's more to the point. Yeah. 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 Very good. Mm. All right, guys. 
Well, thank you very much for uh, joining thank me. Uh, yeah, thank you, Ren. Really interesting. Uh, thank uh, you so much. Thank you for listening. If you've been blessed by this teaching, let us know by leaving a comment on our Facebook page, on SoundCloud, or by leaving a review in Apple Podcasts. You can offer practical support by giving a donation at ChristChurchJerusalem.org. Thank you, and blessings from the City of the King.